I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to Unashamed. Um, Jace, there was a another question I got uh, for you. The, well, we just this may lead hit. to the the last question I got. We did the whole podcast on it. <laughs> the Avenger. But but we this one is a little more just simplistic. But I thought it was interesting because I thought this I, she she jogged my memory too. So this is from Sarah. She said, "Whatever became of Jace's hunting dog, Biggin? Oh, I think last season he was bringing it along and hoped it would be the next blue, but th- he nor Phil have said anything about it recently. No, so. Biggin is doing well. I love Biggin. Um, Missy asks me all the time. She's like, I mean, what are you going to do with this dog? It's like, I love this dog. <laughs> what are you trying to say? So the last day of duck season last year, because I was gone." I miss, oh, we were filming our, our treasure hunting show. Yep. And so they weren't shooting many ducks or whatever. So on the last day, which was a Sunday before church, everybody else, because we had the worst season. Was it the worst season ever last year, Phil? It's the worst in at least 30 years. It's, it was slow, slow, slow. We Our total was far below the average. Yeah, so it was a tough season. So what's I can tell you how bad it was. The last day I went duck hunting by myself <laughs> with Biggin, and I did kill my limit, and he did awesome. He just he doesn't do well around others, other dogs, other people. He has bad manners. And so it's like why replace him with Blue because my – Biggin was the answer to Blue, but Blue's problem was he's a whiner and rambunctious and hard to control, even though Blue was a great retriever. Yeah. But Biggin is rambunctious, he's a whiner, <laughs> and he's not as good as Blue. He's good. So he's got so all he's like, got all the issues without the replacement is actually what we wanted to get away from. But for Sarah, so she will know. First of all, if you're a dog-loving woman, you're a good woman. That's the first thing. Now, Sarah, here's what's coming down the pipe. Where is that in the Bible? I sent up. It could be. Uh, (laughs) Sarah, what this means is uh, I'm looking toward the future. I found a little female in Burley Dane Jennings, a guy I converted about 35, 40 years ago. He has now blue who is who is retired in in uh, Colorado? So, so Bernie so has got a place blue. up there, huh? This Bernie question was about Biggin. This is nothing to do with about. It, it's coming. About I'm, I'm fixing. We're filling okay. the gap for Biggin. <laughs> okay. So so Burley is sitting on old Blue over there in Colorado. <clears throat> we gave Blue a female <clears throat> comes from good lineage, and I said we need some pups from old Blue because old Biggin just ain't cutting it. So. Burley called me here about a couple of months ago. He said, Phil, Blue has bred the little female that we had, and she's had 10 puppies. They were sired by old Blue, the greatest retriever I've ever had. So now he's going to bring two with him. Did he pick the quiet ones? I told him to say, (laughs) go through that list of 10, 10 pups Look at the 10 pups as they start to get, get get mischief and they're jumping and they're running around. I said, pick out the two that you think, Burley, would be the greatest retrievers of all time, like Blue. I said, but how would he know I want that? two of them. I said, one may not make it, the other one will make it. So he's bringing with him, he always comes to visit me for the entire duck season. Mm-hmm. He shuts down everything and he duck hunts with us every time. Mm-hmm. So through Burley and Blue, he has sired 10 pups, and we're going to take two well, of them. I wish I would have been in on this meeting. You need to tell him to pick the, the most quiet and and the the most— They've got uh, to have the fire. No, no, no. I disagree. Got to have the fire. You want the most laid-back two of the litter. Yeah. Well, I told Burley to hand-pick them, the one he thought best. I think there were like eight blacks and—, and uh, I think it was ten of them. There was about seven to seven blonde, and about seven black. I think, and about three blondes. So he's going to look at them and decide, and he's bringing two with him. Well, now that may be 
They're going to live their life in my front yard, Sarah, so I'm going to be looking after them. i got a little place for, for them. I'm all ready for the the, the birth. I'm still trying Blue to figure alive. out what this has to do with Biggin. Well, are <laughs> you going to name one of them Biggin? Keep Blue alive and remove Biggin and make a house dog out of we him, subdivision it. dog. We shipped it how about you name him? All right, how about you name him Blingin? <laughs> It's a cross between blue, blue and, and it's, it's and it's bling. Time. Blend. Bling. Bling. <laughs> bling. As in bling. B-L-I-N-G. As in, I'm bringing some bling. Yeah. <laughs> some swag. So I'll let you know, we're going, we're still, but blue is still alive. His bloodline is still possible through the two dogs I'll get. And about duck season's about six weeks out. We're all getting ready. We so, didn't do good last year. I've got it rearranged, better feed. I've pumped for about four days. I got water back on the but hole. Ultimately, it's out of your control. Well, if the ducks show up, we're good. It was a good sign when I pulled out there to see where the water was when I was pumping it. And I noticed out there it was more than we had in teal season, Jace. It was about, look, it's about like this all over that thing. He's right he's in front of the blind. Three inches deep. 20 yeah. elusive Blue wing teal were right in front of the duck blind. We had a great teal season. Yep. Yes, so, uh, we, we talked about that. Good shoots. So to finish the question on this, I see, running, I see what Sarah. you did here because this story that we're fixing to get into actually yeah. dogs come up. Ah, that's, now you're now you're figuring my you figured out my there, which look by the way is one of the most controversial statements in the entire Bible. And we're fixed to wade into that. But to finish the Biggin wrap up, what I've noticed is he's just, I love Biggin and he does really well when I'm with him, with just me and him. And Biggin is a, is a yellow, right? Yellow lap. Yeah. Yeah. Yellow lap. And he's a great demeanor dog. And I've, I've just, I've become attached to the dog. I love that dog. And if you had the opportunity to choose the blondes or the blacks, who would you go with? Just for color or does it make a difference? I don't think it matters. I mean, it's yeah, kind of like real you. life. It just doesn't matter. I mean, well, I, know. I do think that ye- yellows tend to be a little more docile because they're also service pets. Well, and big and flies that. in the face, all that. Well, I know. I, I said tend to I mean, be. let me just tell you something. When I open his gate pen, if you're in the way, he will kill you. <laughs> I mean, he's I ready mean, to go. He... Will run through you. He doesn't go around anything, which is why he's constantly has injuries. And this dog is fearless. He he will do anything. I will tell you this. So, because I haven't taken him since last last season, and uh, and he does well. I mean, y'all have always picked at me as kind of being a lone wolf McQuaid, and I realize this dog is just he's a lone wolf McQuaid. So if you get two lone wolf McQuaids, one canine, one human. We worked pretty well together. So I, he's when I go by myself, I take him, and that's fine. That's his role. But what I was going to say is, so I took two blue-winged teal. Did I share this story? Uh, Blade. So two of the ones that we shot in teal season. And so I just thought, because he's, he's now, he, he goes and gets any tennis ball that from Willie's yard. That, but then he the, eats it. Well, he he does. He eats it. He doesn't need to bring that practice over to duck hunting. <laughs> no. <clears throat> so any tennis ball that is hit outside the bounds over at Willie's, if it finds itself in the yard or in the woods, he picks them up and he he caresses them for about a day. Then he eats them and he either it it comes out one way or the other. <laughs> And I see just the debris. I mean, he's yeah. eating hundreds. That's a lot of confusion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told you he's got some quirks. So anyway, uh, so I take two blue-winged teal, and I go past my neighbor's house, way away from his pen. And there's a pond there. And I put one out in the water, and I put another one. So what happened was I... About the time I was fixing to open the pen, I got a phone call. And so I was like, well, I'll I'll let him do his business. I let him out. You know, he, he uses his nature call there. And then I was going to work him, like with a whistle. And so I get on the phone, open his pen. So I look over there. He's finding him a tree, you know, to do his, do his business. And but he gets kind of in the brush a little bit. I'm on the phone. I'm talking, and time goes by. Well, it's only a couple minutes. I look up. Here he comes with one of them blue winged teal, 
in his mouth. That's over 100 yards away from his pen. Good sign. I thought it was a great sign. He smelled that blue wing tail. I was like, good boy, hang on. You know, I was on the phone. Hang on. I petted him. You know, I was like, got another one. Back, you know. So I took him off. He went out, waved him over. I get back on the phone. I said, well, I mean, he found that one. Let's see if he finds the other one. You're multitasking now. You're, I'm multitasking. You got your phone business going. You got the dog you're working. I'm tall. I, I mean, I'd say 10 minutes goes by because now I've realized, I thought, I just hope he's in still in the parish because <laughs> he just out of sight, gone. Well, last time I looked, headed toward the tennis court. So I thought, I'll deal with that later. I'm walking back to the house. And so I finally hang up the phone. I blow the whistle. Here he comes with the other teal in his mouth. There's hope, Jace. I mean, I thought, are you kidding me? He used his nose. He, he, He found both teal. And so... I mean, I just don't know what to tell you. I, I took that as, what, what do you want him to do? Is he good enough for the other, one of them other dogs? We'll take one at a time. If we take one of them other dogs, is he good enough to where the your dog, Biggin, could kind of show these pups what this is about? Not bringing back I've shotgun shell hulls as the last one did. No, that's yours. Yours <laughs> did that. When we shot the ducks, they all went and got the hulls and started picking up yeah. the hulls. I said, that was, that was your get dog. the ducks. <laughs> At least Biggin knows the difference between a duck and a shotgun shell. There's hope. There's now, hope. Now, if we shot tennis balls, we'd have a problem. But I got the bloodline of blue coming in two oh, dogs. the bloodline Sarah, of blue. Sarah, I am fired up about it, girl. The bloodline of blue. So, the bloodline of blue. Continue. When we get that, into there's March, your next movie, The right, Bloodline of Blue. So, <laughs> so, why is it that a woman work. asks that question? You know what? You know, these boys ought to be in there. You know, what's your man anything, think about all this? You know, there's women duck hunters just like there's men. You bet you. So, look, March 7. Now, I mean, because it's been a podcast or two since we were in, Mark, and I want to propose two thoughts because I told you it's one of the most controversial passages. But don't get so caught up in the controversial statement that you forget the overall view. Al, you can give the review. We, we I think we went through Chapter 7, 1 through 23? Correct. <clears throat> which we we and I and they're all tied together. I I believe in seven and eight, um, because this concept comes up in Mark seven about the Pharisees. Oh no, I agree. They're all tied. Yeah, together. the Pharisees show up on the scene, and what happens? Because remember, Jesus is out in the middle of nowhere. Remember, he fed the five thousand, and there's nowhere to go to get food. He walked on the water, and and we did jump to chapter eight because he's going to feed the four thousand. Right. And then he makes this illustration in 8, 14 through 21 about the disciples not having the type of yeast of the Pharisees, Correct. which is having a lack of understanding or a heart that's hardened or having eyes that are that fail to see who he is. Because people have read the predictions about Jesus coming, and now he's here. But no one is is embracing it. They're they're viewing him as the Messiah because he they have to explain where he's getting these powers right. from. But they don't view him as Lord or the Son of God. So <clears throat> exactly, let's uh, let's take a break. So we're battling these wasps, Jason. Dad's beer one just landed in his beer <laughs> I had a minute that. ago. Always remember this, boys. There's there's always. Way more than you think, protection. So, whiskers, I know why the Almighty made us this way. And the same way, the reason they put hair on your head, hair is a, is a protection. And so, you may be one of those guys out there that's losing your hair early uh, because of male pattern baldness or, or something else, especially before you're 35. And so, we get it. Uh, you need your hair for a lot of different reasons, not just to look good. And so, one of our sponsors that's been with us for a long time is, is a company called Keeps. And they have a clinically proven, FDA-approved hair loss treatment, and it's all online. So you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to wait in any waiting rooms or in all the different you know troubles that come about because of that. They've got medical people uh, that can make sure everything's healthy for you. Uh, you get it for half the cost. Uh, you got any questions 24-7, you can get it from them. So check them out. If uh, you're one of those guys that uh, wants to hang on to your hair, 
uh, because you're losing it early, go to keeps.com slash door and you're going to get 50% off your first order. So that's K-E-E-P-S dot com, keeps.com slash door, 50% off and hang on to your hair. So when you get to seven, he, he brings up this thing because the Pharisees, when they show up on the scene, they see his disciples not doing this ceremonial washing, which we talked about, all these rituals, ritualistic stuff. And they, you know, they, they make a point of it to Jesus that, you know, why aren't your disciples like us? And so he basically takes them to task um, through this process. And that's what leads up to now these two miracles that are about to happen. So right. the concept so, is what, what makes a man clean? What makes a man unclean? Um, look, we, we did not collaborate on this. We did not. But you set this up perfectly because I want to I wanna bring something up and we can spend the whole rest of the podcast discussing it. You can agree with me or disagree with me. So he this idea of clean and unclean. This first one, I mean, how would you sum up the one in chapter seven? I, I guess you have to go what he somehow uh, when he gets to the end and says it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, but it's what com- comes out of him. And he was talking about the heart and a spiritual versus yeah, he, he makes that contrast about physical and spiritual. Let's face it. This is what they're missing. The whole point of through the whole process is they keep thinking the kingdom is physical. The, and you know, all these things are physical. And he said, wait a minute, you got to get to the spiritual. You got to get to the heart. So if you like summed all these things up, I mean, in this case, it was the human traditions or laws based on uh, human traditions rather than the word of God. That statement is, is in there. Yep. Uh, you remember when he said that in verse seven there, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Which and, was a quote from Isaiah, that's right. Yeah, and so then he, he got on talking about human traditions rather than the Word of God. Uh, this idea of what's on the outside rather than the inside, law-keeping versus grace is always a theme in there. So when he gets to this, and I believe Mark continues this idea, we agree, Al, of telling this story about what happens because when you read the verse, verse, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. And so all of a sudden he said, no, wait a minute. If you do a geographical location at the time, this seems out of the ordinary. Correct. Right? And do you all want to tell why before I, I drop well, one, the nugget? One of the things I'll say about Tyre is, is interesting because it has a long history. You go back and study it in the Old Testament. The, the Israelites never conquered Tyre. I mean, it had its own independent place this whole time, and it and it was a Gentile city, which is really interesting. So you're right, Jace. Even though this is a lot of Gentiles in this region, the Decapolis, you know, we've been talking about these ten cities, but Tyre was its own set aside. It's almost like it was the way I looked at Jace was, and it may not be true, but it's almost like, hey, we're going to get we're going to get off the campaign trail and go over here to this little place. Yeah. That's out of the way. And so he meets this woman in verse 26, describes the woman. She was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. Mm-hmm. So she's called the, what is the term? A Syrophoenician. Yep. Syrophoenician woman. Now she had a, uh, well, let me just go back and read the second part of 24. He entered a house and he did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as, she heard about him. A woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. And so there's who she was. She begged Jesus to drive out the demon out of her daughter. Now, here's the controversial statement. First, Jesus said, 27, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. So he uses a parable slash proverb, but it seems to imply that he's calling her a dog because she's a Greek. She's not part of the Jewish system of which he came to, to save. Right. Right. Correct. So, so that makes people feel uncomfortable because they're like, well, why in the the word, but the word, yeah, but the word dog here, um, is it's, it's like a, It'd be like a pet. Be yeah, like a puppy. A, I've heard that. And yeah. I, I read all that myself. Or, or people said puppies. You know, it's like yeah. affectionate. 
But I, I think... It's still a canine reference. <laughs> it is a canine reference. A and I think people came up with that to try to Softly. justify. But you got to remember, this is he's making a point here. And, and I'll give you what I think in just a second, but I want to read this whole thing. So in verse 28 is a key phrase to me in understanding what this is all about. Because she does something that up until this time, the Pharisees hadn't done, the right. religious people hadn't done. The disciples the haven't done. The disciples haven't done. She uses a phrase, and this is based on rather a very offendable, because whether you're talking about pets or not, somebody refers you as a canine, right. you wouldn't think this next phrase is coming, and I'm building this up for Dramatic because purpose. I think it is quite a statement. She says, "Yes, Lord." Mm -hmm. So she's already come to him out of her desperation, and now she refers him to something that everybody else can't seem to get. And if you take, if you realize, unlike that, them, she believes he's the one. Look, unlike them, she seems to be the first person in the Book of Mark that actually understands the parables, because yeah. he's just rips them in chapter eight. Yes, Lord, she replied. And it does show you that she's not offended. Would you agree with that? Correct. Yep. If she is, she sure didn't show it. And and she yeah. gives him a, an answer that I think is the only time that you'll read to where Jesus, in response to her, how she interpreted the parable, he absolutely agrees with her. Mm -hmm. Like, good answer. Wouldn't that be cool if you give that uh, uh, an answer to a, a riddle or a parable to the Lord, and he's like, good, you got good it, job. you got it. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. So I want to give you what I think the reason Mark tells this story. It is because, and I, I made a little in the preacher world, I made a little statement here. This is the outsider looking in to Jesus. And I wrote this. The reason I think Mark did this is because the people of that day, religious people, disciples, the world, everyone, they didn't like who God, Jesus, the Son of God, was for. They were uncomfortable, and, and I have a lot of a lot of evidence of that. Remember, what was the big crime against Jesus? What are you doing eating with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you going over here? And I mean, because look at this woman's credentials. She was a Phoenician, and these people look. They believed overall they were polytheists. You know, believe in multi gods. Uh, they believed in magic. I mean, their pagan was the Basically, pagan religion is what they were into. Her daughter had an unclean spirit. I mean, she was a woman. and Because back here in those days, if you see a daughter with an unclean spirit, they say, well, you're the problem. Yeah, you did so, something. You, you did something. I mean, she's just mathematically eliminated out of being anybody re reputable. You certainly shouldn't be in her house. And you, you sure as heck shouldn't be trying to help her in any way. Uh, and so she yeah, I, I, I she was one. viewed I, I as, as unclean. And, and what? let me just make my point and then you respond. And what I'm saying is with all those credentials I just named about her, she had no right to approach a certain rabbi. Jesus was known as a rabbi. And they were deeming him as one with certain dignity about him because right. he was doing the miracle. But she had no right to even be approaching him. And in fact, when you read Matthew's version, it's, you know, at first he doesn't respond to her, and they're like, do you want us just to send her away? Because she was deemed unclean. That's why I came up with the slogan, Mark put this in here, because people didn't like who Jesus was pursuing. He didn't like who he was eating with. So go ahead, Zach. Hang on, before you do that, Zach, let's take a break. So Lisa and I are out on the road quite a bit, and uh, one of the main things that... Uh, 
we speak on behalf of uh, the unborn, uh, pro-life, a lot of different kinds of events, uh, pregnancy center support. And um, it's very important to all of us um, here on the Unashamed podcast. One of the groups uh, that we love that's just been walking right alongside what we're trying to do is a group called 40 Days for Life. And um, these folks are wonderful. Sean, who's their CEO, has been on our podcast before. They got a million volunteers in a thousand cities. Uh, They spend a lot of time in prayer, praying that women uh, will make the choice for life. And that's one of the greatest weapons that we have. Uh, They especially target states where obviously abortion is still legal uh, and you're still having a lot of abortions. And so they're really trying to to break through and change hearts and minds. So uh, we join them in their fight and uh, we ask you to do the same thing. We want you to check out their locations where they are. Maybe consider volunteering to be a part of what they're doing. They've got a podcast. It's fantastic. Uh, They got a free magazine. And now you can get that at 40daysforlife.com, and they'll keep you updated on this post-Row America. So that's 4040daysforlife.com. Check them out. Yeah, I, I love that. And I was thinking, you know, one commentary I read said that, that the woman, um, that she, like, her her entire approach to this thing was uh, was one not I don't want to say groveling but it's like this appreciation it's like a it said that God's answer may have seemed like no and, and when he says that about the dogs but it, the deeper understanding of it is that it's actually a promise of yes and and you said that she got the parable I think she did get the parable and I think that what we have a hard time interpreting the book of Romans. A lot. There's a lot of controversy in the book of Romans, a lot, probably the most controversial book in the Bible in terms of like opposing views on it. But I think that this with this woman's response here, when she says she's essentially saying when he says the, the, the dogs eat second, the dogs eat mm-hmm. second. And, 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 the, and she probably interpreted that as are you saying I'm a dog? And, and but she, she didn't says, care. She didn't care. She didn't. She didn't care. That's the point. Cause she's like, she, cause in her mind, she's thinking, Hey, if I get the crumbs off your table, I'm good. I mean, I'm good with the crumbs. And, mm-hmm. and I, and it, it, get, it gives a glimpse into what this woman, how she was pursuing healing from, from the Lord. Well, once exactly. you recognize him as, as Lord and two, there was a complete and utter, just you are King and you are sovereign and it is all about you. So when you get to Romans and you go to Romans nine, which super controversial the text in the Bible. I think we miss Romans nine a lot because we don't read and really hone in on verse 30 through 33. I'm going to read it to you because I think what I think what we did, what we just read in Mark seven is a new is a, is a description of what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter nine, verse 30, when he says, what shall we say then that the Gentiles, the Greeks, the woman who's in this story who did not pursue righteousness, she didn't have the law. She didn't have it. Attained righteousness, that the dog attained righteousness, even the righteousness that is which is by faith. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. In verse 32, the question is, why? Why did the woman get it? Why did she get it? Because they did not pursue it by faith, speaking of Israel, but as though it were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written. And then it talks about this uh, Old Testament quote of, 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 of the coming of Christ. And my point is, or Paul's point, I think he's making here, is this the reason why this woman got it is because she was pursuing healing by faith and not by what she did. Jesus had just left the Pharisees and it was all about their works. It was all about the, their keeping of the law, their traditions that they called the law. They never kept the commandments, though, in faith. And Jesus exposed them. Boom. Now he's in, in Matthew chapter seven with not even they're not even Jewish people. He's in a not if, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a, a shadow of a, of a Gentile can curse you and make you unclean. Rather then how much more would you be made unclean by going into their house? And he's in the house of a Gentile. And you're seeing in uh, Mark chapter seven, you are seeing a picture of what it means to pursue God by faith. This is, this is what it looks like right here. 
No, like I agree. Woman. I'll take the crumbs. No, I agree. And I just want to add one thing, though. And the reason I don't think I didn't immediately go to, oh, it actually wasn't, you know, it was the, he was talking about puppies and warm and lovable pet. No, I think I don't agree with that. I think he did that because Jesus knew her heart and she, he knew she was unoffendable. And here's the point I want to make. And I agree with Zach on this. I wrote this down. She is not saying, give me what I deserve based on my rights. Because Jesus knew her heart. But where is her request coming from? I'm going to tell you where it's coming from. Because when you think as a parent, when your daughter has an evil spirit, that's pain. It's coming from desperation and pain. That's the word, desperation. It is. And so, and I wrote this quote from a movie. Uh, I mean, it was one of these little kids' movies, but I wrote this down. And it was a quote in the movie. It said, Life is pain, and anyone who tells you different is trying to sell you something. And I like that quote because Jesus, very, very bluntly, which everyone would think was an offensive thing to say, but you got to remember at the time and place where he was in his ministry, yes, he came here for all people. We're, we know how this, where this is going. But for some reason and somehow because of this woman's heart, based on her current circumstance, she had recognized Jesus as Lord. She had fast forwarded to the end of the What you call that? Quantum leap. Yeah. And so she didn't say, give me what I deserve based on my rights. She was saying, give me what I don't deserve based on your power and goodness. And that worked. And the fact that she wasn't offendable because you can't come to Jesus at a place of you're pride. Under your circumstance. Yeah, and, and your accomplishments, which is why I think it was an offensive thing to say, unless someone got the bigger picture, and we stumbled up on a woman who did get the bigger picture, and it's hard for us to wrap our head around, because guess what? We're easily offendable. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was trying. Well, yeah, and when she says, and when you, I love what you said there. When she she didn't say, give me what I deserve and what I'm entitled to. And the reason why she didn't say that is because she was not one of God's children. She right. wasn't a, she wasn't Israel. So, I mean, think about it. Like, think about the desperation. And, and the big picture is, is really that all of us have to come to God that way. No matter who, what race you come from, we all have to come to God with that level of that's the opposite of entitlement. And that's hard right. for us to see in our culture because we're so entitlements are such a big part of our DNA now. But I mean, that's not how you come to God. And the no, fact, and the fact that it well, was her daughter, Jay's, made it even more uh, humbling to me. Well, look, the reason I'm bringing this insight, and y'all all probably know where I'm going with this. I mean, I have a daughter with special needs who has spent, you know, she hasn't gone six weeks in her life without seeing a doctor. And look, what I noticed in the pain that she's undergone and the stress of the whole situation because it was worse when she was little, because here this come, you know, Missy and I didn't, we couldn't anticipate what was fixed to happen. Now, granted, these were physical things, not a demon-possessed girl, but these all this physical trauma. But I noticed something about myself in all those meetings with all these doctors, because some of these doctors early on in this were so pompous and were so offensive in some of the things they said. But you know what I learned about myself and Missy? We were unoffendable. Yep. Because we're like, I don't care if you're the biggest jerk on the planet. If you can help my doctor. Your daughter. I mean, uh, yeah, if you can help my my daughter, you're going to be our doctor. Yeah. Because we had one uh, specific, who's no longer with us. He, he's gone on to the next stage. <laughs> but, you know, I just remember I just could not stand this guy. I mean, every time I would have a conversation with him, I thought, this has got to be one of the most pompous, arrogant human beings. It was almost like he had a God complex. But guess what? He was the best at at fixing craniofacial issues on kids. So guess what? Oh, I was buddies with him. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to your weird ideas on life and... <laughs> I was literally unoffendable. I just laid down all my trophies at his feet. And so when I read this, that's what hit me on that, because when I read all why people feel this is was offensive, I thought, no, 
you you got to remember the we're not addressing the attitude and the pain that this woman was making this request and it made her have a clear understanding who Jesus was and look if the light switch for me didn't come on till she said yes lord she knew he had the power that's right and i think yeah. she yeah. got it that at this stage okay he's god chose to work through israel to, to bring about this king. She had put all the pieces together, even to understanding the, the principle, but she knew they had a seat at the table. They may view me as a dog, which they did. Yeah. What do you do with this unclean woman? She's a dog. She knew, but she knew Jesus loved her, loved everyone, and she just got it before it was time to get it. I don't know why that, that is so hard to get. Hang on, Zach. Let's take a break. And here's the, here's the incredible part about this. Uh, I love this because so she's coming to Jesus at this point, recognizing, yeah, I'm a dog. I'll take the crumbs and be completely ecstatic about that. Exactly. What she didn't probably understand was, was this prophecy here in Isaiah chapter 25. Listen to this prophecy. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. She she came for the crumbs and, and was elated that she was going to get the crumbs. She had no concept that, that her Lord was about to invite her into a full feast at his table. And that I think that's that's the, the beauty of this whole story. She had no, just say like Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteous. He didn't have a clue at how big that promise was going to unfold. He didn't understand that all this is all this, even this the scripture here in Mark seven is a is a it's it's an advancement of that of God fulfilling that promise to include the Gentiles into this. But I mean it, God's promises are always we come to God as beggars, but God treats us as sons. And I think that's the that's the profound part here. We come as a beggar, but God receives us as his as as sons and heirs and fellow heirs of Christ. That's what, to me, is so powerful about this. Well, and plus, I think one of the things, this this is showing Jesus, because he did the same thing, if you think about it, in John 4 with the woman at the well. I mean, he entered in a setting that really she didn't deserve a conversation with him as a Jewish man. She In the in the Samaritan case, it's she a mix. She sat there and said, he's reading my mind. I need to listen to him. She, and remember what she said at the end? He's told me everything I've yeah. ever done. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she jumped all the way ahead. But it was the same thing. I think he does these things like this because I think he was teaching a lesson too, Jace, to the, to the disciples. They had to stay on task for what they were supposed to do. See, the Gentiles wouldn't come in as a whole until you get to Acts chapter 10, which is years after the day of Pentecost. So he's keeping them on task about what they're supposed to do, but he's planting a seed here. Same thing he did about the ceremonial foods. He's planting a seed that one day, this is going to be just what Zach described in Isaiah. You're going to see this picture because he, he made the same type of, uh, uh, mentioned to the woman at the well, Zach. Remember when he said on this mountain, you know, all or this is it's going to be. It's not going to be in Jerusalem or Samaria. It's going to be everywhere. You have the opportunity. So I think he's just planting seeds, is what he's doing. Well, he is. And look, we always do this, but I think just when you look at our culture about how everybody, you know, wants their rights and everybody wants to divide, and I mean from a worldly standpoint, divide everybody down into groups. And then we all got to figure out how we're going to respect all these different groups and everybody's rights can be met. And which comes from a totally different place than what we're discussing. We always fast forward and I'm going to read you two passages. This is first Corinthians 12, 13. Now I am fast forwarding, but I'm saying, I think she got this at an early stage for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. Slave or free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. And then Galatians three twenty six and 27 and 28, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so my point is, they had the same problem in their culture as we have in this culture. It was like, who do you think you are? I mean, you know, why was this not a deal breaker? But I told you her credentials. Well, none of them met 
to where she could even be saved. And in a great way of looking at it is when she went home, she finds her daughter lying on the bed and the demon gone. Yeah. And that, that reinforced her, Lord. Exactly. You know what she thought? She God, saw that bed. She, she said, thought God is for me. She he thought she me. was fixing to hear all this demonic stuff coming out of her daughter, and she yeah. looked there, and she found that the but, demon But you make gone. a great point that I thought the same thing, Dad. She, you know what? Every time Jesus would do a miracle, remember what the people would say or the Pharisees? Sometimes yeah, he would yeah. show yeah. us another side. Show us another side. You know what she did? He said your request is granted. She hit the road. That's it. She didn't ask for anything else. She left there confidently. She, in her mind, she said, my daughter was going to be he, okay. She knew. <laughs> yeah. She knew even before she got there. That's it. Just like the woman at the well, she said she left her water pot. Like she came there to get water. Yeah. Once Jesus did, yeah. she left the water pot behind. She forgot about the water pot, and she 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 moves back to the city. I mean, she's trucking back to the city to say, "Come meet the man yeah. who told me everything yeah. I've ever I done." I don't need H. I don't need H two O now. I found the living water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, I, I found this psalm that uh, that relates to this. That's so powerful that if you're listening today and you're like, "Man," um, you know, you think about. You don't know what I'm going through because that's a lot of people read this like, man, my my life's tough. Like I get, I'm in a spiritual wilderness, or I'm in a I'm in the wilderness, and we've all been there different times in our life, you know. But I read this, you think, man, how can God invite me to eat at His table? How can I? How can God prepare a table in my life when because you don't know what's going on in my life? And I read this psalm, and it really spoke to me. God, uh, they spoke against God, uh, basically asking God, can, can God spread a table in the wilderness? And the answer yeah. is, yeah, yeah. He can yeah. spread a feast, a table in the wilderness. God invites you in Luke chapter 22. And I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table. You you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones and uh, uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And so God, God is including his disciples, which which further down the road includes us as disciples. We are invited into this wedding feast of the Lamb. We're like we're we are being invited to participate in the greatest feast of all feasts that have ever in all time and throughout all of history and eternity. We're being invited in. This woman in this story in Mark chapter seven is invited in to participate in the feast that God's going to provide the table that He's going to spread Good out. I, that, that fires me up. So I wanted to say this. So I have, Al, this is for your sermon. So I have in Mark 7 the first story about the washing the hands, but it's in the Spirit. So the people of Jesus' day didn't like where. They, they didn't like where God would, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Fulfill the duty of a priest. Yeah. They didn't like where, which would be in the be heart, in the not on the outside. Right. It'd be on the inside. Not They didn't like the spiritual. They didn't like where this kingdom transformation would occur, or however you want to put that. They didn't like who would be welcomed in to the kingdom, because here we have her credentials, none of them met. And then, so when we get to the next story, which is the healing of the deaf and mute man, they didn't like how he was going to do it. And in all cases, these were all viewed as unclean. I mean, they they were making it about, oh, you're not following the rules of washing their hands. Which was a uh, bigger deal to them than any of this other stuff, which shows you a lot about where they were. Yeah, hang, on, hang on, Jess, let's take our last break. So then this story, they're like, you're associating with unclean people. I mean, this woman, you need to get way away from her. Well, then I think it's fascinating when he gets to this next story, and we can save that for, you know, an entire podcast if we want. I mean, he literally does something that's gross. <laughs> he, I mean, he sticks his physical fingers in a guy's ears. He spits on the ground. Makes, makes some mud, mud and physically takes his finger and touches another man's tongue <laughs> with spit and mud and mud. Well, religious people, 
they're not going to like this. I mean, just do that in a Sunday morning service. Just say, one of y'all, I need a volunteer. (laughs) We're going to reenact a story that we treasure in the Bible. We're going to reenact it. I need a volunteer. Now, before you come down front in front of all these people, I'm going to stick my fingers in your ears. I'm going to spit on the ground. I'm going to take the mud pie that we assemble, and I'm going to touch your tongue. How many people do you think would volunteer for that? I don't think I would. Well, I wouldn't, and I'm the one making a big deal about this. I'd say, By the way, the, the audience of that day, people were amazed and overwhelmed with amazement. The spit trick worked. Well, right. But I'm just saying people, even today, they have a narrative of what Jesus is like or what he should be. And back in their day, they had the same narrative. And I think it was more about this physical kingdom that would kill other nations. And and so here Jesus comes. He, he He's focused on the spirit, the character, instead of how much you work out and how good a soldier you could be. I mean, that's why they got all fired up about, oh, he has the ability to create food. I mean, just think how important that is to an army. That's right. I mean, if you're if you have this power... And because that was a big weapon. Because you remember in, their in response. War. You remember their response. They said they he he left them because he knew they wanted to make him a king by force. Well, I know. That's what I was yeah. going to bring up. But, you know, how many times would they circle around? Like if you built a fortress in, in wartime there, and, well, they would just. Siege. They, yeah, they would siege you and starve you out. Well, he just he just took that. If you could build. All, all we need to do now is build this fortress. And because we could never run out of food. I mean, right. I can literally reproduce it. So in their mind, they think, oh, he's the Messiah and the Lord. So then he comes down, he starts talking about the character of a person is more important. That That's that's the play. I'm more worried about what's coming out from your heart. And now I'm, I'm going off here to spend some alone time and I'm associating with people just like the Samaritan woman. It's, it's, it's another different yeah. story here. And, and he does something that just, they're like, I mean, it, it defies in their mind sheer logic, which is why people continually left him, you know? And then you're going to use things that are physically detestable, especially in our COVID fear society. And a lot of people would read that. If it's the first story you read now with COVID and germs and all this, you're like, oh, I'm out on this. I don't want to. Well, I think I, 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 I was thinking that you, when you said they, they had a, flawed view of God or they had this perception of who God was supposed to be in their own mind. And I wrote this down when you said that, that they had a a view of God that was based on their own righteousness, or at least what they perceived to be their own righteousness, which was based on a flawed premise that they had it together. And that's why, that's why they were offendable. That's why the Pharisees were very offendable. They were offendable because they actually thought they were occupying a position that they really weren't occupying. And so when somebody comes in and threatens that position, says, you're not that good. Well, if you think you're good and somebody says, no, you're not good, then you get offended. But if, if, if you think that you're not good and someone says you're not good, then you're like, well, yeah, I already knew that. You're not offendable. So the, the, way, the way that you become not offendable is, is, is to admit that you're a sinner. I mean, that, that's, the, that's a big chunk of the Bible is just getting us yeah. to see. Well, that's why that when man, you're right, Zach, when you approach Christ – in this case, or you approach God without faith, that's what happens. You remember what he told the Pharisees in John 8 and and a lot of those that were following him, he said, your father is the devil. And I think the reason why you mentioned about that feast in the wilderness that, and when you said that, it took me back to when Satan was tempting Jesus, remember, and he was in the wilderness. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. You remember what Satan said? If you are the son of God, this Matthew 4, tell these stones to become bread. So that's demonic. He's saying, you proved, you proved to me you're hungry. I know you're hungry. And you remember what Jesus said? It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you approach Jesus without faith, you're, you're being a puppet of the other side because there's good and evil here. There's Satan and there's God. So I think this woman showed you, and Jesus right, in her desperation, she believed. And so she, she had, doesn't she come had, up and start dictating policy. She had no leverage, no power, no credentials. Her greatest quality was 
a reliance or a trust on the power of Jesus. Well, if this, if that's not what our whole lives are about, yeah, that's why I told let, the let, story. That's exactly right. Yeah, let, let me let me read this real quick. I want to I want to read this before we end here. This is this is the rest of that uh, passage out of Psalms. Yeah, where were you um, at in Psalms? I was going. I didn't know. Uh, so, Psalm seventy-eight. And just 70. think about this in light of every how Jay set the whole thing up. It says, in the daytime, he led him with a cloud, and at night, with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness, and he gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. I think about it, that's a big picture of who this God is. Yet, they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the God most high in the desert. They tested God in their heart. By demanding the food they crave. This is that entitlement that Jace was mm-hmm. talking about. They spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? And then the answer in verse 20 is, well, yeah, he struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Well, can he also give bread and provide meat for his people? I'm like, yeah, he dropped it out of the sky for crying out loud. Yeah, of course mm-hmm. he can. And, and this says, therefore, when God heard this, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob, and his anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above to open and the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them grain, all the, all the things God did for us and or did for the Israelites when they left Egypt. And I just think, man, that, it's like the same pattern over and over and over again. God's like, don't be those kind of people that demand food that I'm already giving you abundantly. Like, be like this yeah. woman. It says, I'll take the crumbs and you'll get in excess if you come to me in that way. That's why I brought up that. Look, look God doesn't sugarcoat anything. And all these guys that put their faith and trust in Jesus, the, it, it was it was not happy endings. All these guys were martyred and this was a rough road. And, and that's why when they sent them out, they didn't have all these amenities of life. And even some of the Psalms, you know, they don't have happy endings. I mean, God was being very real with a, he's not trying to sell us something, which is the difference in false religion and what God is representing in Jesus. I mean, he's being real. It's not about this life. He has a purpose for us. And there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of difficulty, but that puts our attitude in, in the proper place it should be that we have no credentials and we're relying on God's power. And we know once you experience Jesus, we know that the plan is, oh, it will be, it will be right. That's why it's not prosperity gospel in this life. Cause he said, he promised us, he said, you know what you're going to get treated like, like they treated me. So that's what your that's what your guarantee is. All right, we're out of time. But Jay, so you have a three point sermon that I wrote down. Uh, I'm going to top your three point sermon with a five point sermon, and I'm going to give mine in the overtime. So if you want to hear that, blazetv.com/unashamed. You get ten dollars off a subscription right now if you use the promo code Phil. So it's a great time to sign up, get everything Blaze has to offer, and hear my five point sermon. So we will see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.